and one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the Teams of J podcast. We are on episode eighty-six, and Blue's back. I'm back with that one um, awkward uh, episode where it was just me talking to myself for a half hour, and now he has returned. Better than ever. And oh god, I listened to that podcast. I was like, there's so many things I want to argue with Kaiser about on this. But did you actually listen to it? Yeah, yeah. of course we did. And um, yep, yeah, I thought he was an ignorant. Ca- no, I can't say that word. <laughs> um, uh, that was good. Um, if there's one man out there that can talk to himself for half an hour straight, it's your man Kaiser. That's right. Somehow, yeah. I was able to do it. Um, but yeah, so this week we've got a few topics. Blue is going to be carrying us through the topics section because um, well, it, it's been quite a while. I'm sure I can think of things that have happened during the week. Um, yeah. But so can you. Uh, but for segment three, we're finally going to be talking about that uh, book that Blue had been uh, trying to get me to read for quite a while, uh, which I went through the audiobook for, uh, Blind Faith by Ben Elton. So we'll mm. be discussing that in segment three. But without further ado, Blue, you have a topic? Okay, I'll give you choices, alright? Yeah, three topics. Yep. One is uh, mythology, another is mobiles, and a third is monsters. I tried really hard to make them all M's, but it worked. Okay. Is, is the answer to every single one of them Raid Shadow no, Legends? They're all different. <laughs> <laughs> and none of them are Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go with mythology. Mythology. Okay, so this week I have been inundated with media regarding mythology. Completely a happenstance, but it's great. I love it. So, I mean, me and Alicia have started watching a Netflix series mm. called uh, Blood of Zeus. Oh, I've heard of this. It's an anime. And because we've almost finished Cowboy Bebop and we have finished The House Husband. Mm. And we've seen two episodes of it now. And I love it. It's made by the same people that made Castlevania. And you did like the animation style, especially in that one. Yeah. And right from the get-go, you see they still don't hold any bars with brutally chopping people up. Um... As there are demons running across the land, and they have been kind of left there by the gods so that man can have something to battle against, kind of thing. Something to strive to be better at. Has Zeus turned into a swan to bang people yet? An eagle. He went full American. Ah! Um, But you find out about that in episode two. So, in the first episode, you're introduced to the main character, a dashing young man who's very strong and compared to everyone else can actually like throw and punch demons around even though he's like a uh, he's called Heron okay Uh, and I I know little bits of Greek mythology but I'm not the best ironically Alicia knows more about this kind of shit than I do apparently because I'm terrible with names um and uh yeah so he is a poor kid with his poor mother and then you find out in the second episode oh, and they they help they're good people they help out this old man that like fell over and hurt his leg mm. um then 
the demon hunting party comes to a town. They're like, have you seen anything? And they're like, no. Uh, he goes over to get some water and sees a lady lying in like the, the, the water source. Uh, apparently asleep. He walks over, picks her head up out of the water and finds out that her guts are just like spilt everywhere when... Which, I mean, that must be very opaque water. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah, if you're say, trying to say it's hard to see through it, then yeah. Yeah, opaque is the right word. Um, and, yeah, then he gets attacked by a demon, and they fight, and all that. Yeah. So, episode two. Mm. I should find out that his mother used to be the queen to a tyrant king, and Zeus would come along, uh, change his form to look like the Tyrant King, be really nice to her, and then fuck her. That's, that is, repeatedly. like... Talking about Greek mythology, that's basically Zeus's M.O. Like, he just <laughs> transforms into random shit and, like, bangs people. Yeah. And the... Then she gets pregnant, of course. And she's pregnant with twins. One of them has brown eyes, which is the same as the Tyrant King. And then one has blue eyes. The Tyrant King... Try, not the dragon. The king tries to kill the child with uh, the same eyes as Zeus. Mm. And then an eagle flies through the window and, and kicks the king in the face. Uh, then the Tyrant King tries to throw the baby off a cliff. And the mother stabs him and runs over the child. Uh, in the meantime, the brown-eyed child is taken away by the palace guards and is meant to be raised safely, but then gets, like, shanked by his uncle. Mm. Um, there's, there's yeah. a remarkable amount of this in the ancient world. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, but while they were banging, uh, Zeus's wife, Hera? Hera, yep. Yeah, which, by the way, um, little little side note: a lot of the horrible things that happen to demigods, it's usually Hera getting jealous that her wife is out there banging people, like Hercules. Her husband. Yeah, Hercules. the The whole thing with Hercules was he was um, the the story is the twelve trials of Hercules, and they were basically things that Hera put in his way to try and either kill him or prevent him from achieving any sort of like station or glory because she was pissed that her husband had turned into something and gone off to bang some random harlot on the earth and uh so so she was looking down from the heavens and saw that um the main character's mother's room was like glowing with light and zeus's one of zeus's other sons uh i can't remember his name can you remember some Zeus son names? I mean, was he a god or demigod? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, he was a god, I think. Yeah. Um. But I think no, I think he was also a bastard. I don't know. Yeah. Just keep going. I might remember. Anyway, so he's he's he goes over to Zeus and he's like, "Mum's pissed." Well, not my mum, but you know mm. your wife. Uh. I'm gonna stand in this room instead. You go pretend to be in the sea, then teleport back to her with like some seaweed on you, and you'd be like. So that's what happens. 
and then like immediately the next scene is Zeus back in the room <laughs> with the woman uh, and then this time Hera's just turned into a bird and is looking through a window and is like alright this bitch this bitch <laughs> I love it. Like it, this is this is true in all of Greek mythology too. Like Hera never takes it out on Zeus. She always takes it out on the bastard children and the women that he sleeps with. Um so she goes to these uh dream goblins. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh makes the tyrant king ha have a premonition that he's going to have twins and one of them won't be his. And that's how that leads to that. Mm. Uh, it turns out the old man in the real time that they've been helping out has been Zeus in disguise. And he gets his son to climb a really big hill and find some adamantite, uh, which he forges a sword out of for him. Uh, I think that's what I'm up to at the end of episode too really it's interesting it's it's a oh, very they try and the villagers try and uh uh burn the main character's mum mm. because they think she might be a demon and then she ends up like stabbing herself with it and he gets beaten it's anyway yeah this so far from what i'm hearing it doesn't sound like they're actually going with a real like mythological story it sounds like they're taking inspiration from greek mythology and kind of yeah. writing an anime out of it which mm. sounds kind of cool actually I i'd watch that i, I think i may yeah. actually watch it because i've been looking for I mean, something to watch especially because the the studios is a good one yeah um and yeah the other mythology thing i started listening to mythos by stephen fry I've actually been um, listening to, so since I finished Blind Faith, I wanted to listen to another audiobook. What I've been listening to is Celtic, Celtic Mythology by whoever wrote this book. Okay. Philip Freeman. <laughs> Philip Freeman, sorry. Philip Celtic Freeman. Mythology okay. by Philip Freeman. Tales of Gods, Goddesses, and Heroes. And it's interesting because a lot of Celtic mythology, like it never got written down. Um, it was all oral tradition passed down through druids and things like that. And then mm -hmm. when Christianity... Those kinky druids. Then when Christianity <laughs> spread through, it kind of, you know, stamped over it. So in a lot of cases, you're getting like... Uh, it's like an interpretation of an interpretation of a story from thousands of years ago. So a lot of stuff yeah. has been lost, like a lot of the names of the gods and stuff like that. So most of what they have is like heroic stories and almost all of them go like this this guy was super strong and super cool he you know th this guy pissed him off so he cut off his head or he's he's like it just it's all like think like the most like hyper masculine hyper violent mythology that's yeah. this well all the heroes the, the, sorry go sorry. on sorry the, the Mythos book that I listened to by Stephen Fry, it's like, um, I think it's meant to be quite close to the original tales, hmm. but then it's kind of got slightly comedic twists put to certain things, mm -hmm. like things that the gods wouldn't actually say, but it's kind of like... still Greek mythology, or...? Uh, yes. Okay. Wait, Gaia... That's Ur Greek. Uranus. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's all So, Greek. yeah, I'm finding out, like, okay, so, you know, Gaia birthed Uranus... Mm. And then they fucked. 
Yeah, and then, like, doesn't... doesn't and then all the kids fucked each other, and then all their kids fucked each other. Well, the, the thing is, I think, like, most of the life in the ocean comes because, uh, they... Uranus, like, wouldn't stop banging Gaia, and so uh, they conspired to rip his testicles apart. So, what happens is that Gaia went through all of her children, and they were like, nah, we're not gonna kill Dad, he's gonna fucking murder us. And then they come to, um... Oh, is it... Corn, uh, not corn. Kratos, uh, no. No, no, you're Kronos. Uh, Kronos, uh, thank you. Yeah. And he's like a massive fucking emo, apparently. <laughs> and he hates Dad, and he's like, and guy, guy gives him a special sickle made out of adamantite again. They like their adamantite weapons. Yeah. And Guy is like, okay, while your father is banging the shit out of me, you need to come up and kill him. <laughs> and he's like. Oh, I don't need to hear all these details. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all happening, and he comes out and he's like, ah! And he cuts his balls off. Wing yeah. off. Yeah. And then throws them, like, across a country and into the sea. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's like, that spawns the, you know, the life in the ocean, I think is the original story. But the mm. ironic thing is that Kronos uh, does all this, right? There's a lot mm. of, there, there's a serious, like, undercurrent of fratricide that goes throughout, like, the Greek creation myths. Because they do all that to... Kronos does that to his dad. But then Kronos gives birth to the Olympian gods. Well, that when when Kronos kills Uranus, mm. Uranus is like, I curse you that your kids will do exactly the same thing to you that you just done to me. Yeah. And th that's why, for I think, all of his children he eats. Yeah, the moment they're born. Four or five of them. Yeah, until you then, get to Zeus. And then his sister, who he's been banging... Uh, goes to her parents, Gaia and Uranus, and is like, "He's a bit of a dick." <laughs> that's uh, that's yeah, you're right. That is a bit of a twist. That's not the original story. Has her just instead of giving her uh, giving him Zeus to eat, she gives him a rock wrapped in like baby swaddling clothes. I think that's where it's going, but I haven't got to that point yet. Okay, well, I, I, not to spoil anything. I know there's going to be a switcheroo, but I didn't know yeah. it was a rock. <laughs> I think in the original um, story, it's a rock. I don't know if. It changes in this, but, uh, and that's Zeus. Mm. Zeus gets away, and then, spoiler alert, he kills Kronos. Yes. Um, yeah. But then, I yeah. think all the kids then come out of his stomach. If, but I know that they from do. other mythology, not from, yeah. Yeah, um, and the, those ones that he's eaten so far are the other Olympian gods, like, you know, Poseidon and, uh, Hephaestus. Di, uh, Di, uh, Dionysus? Some, di, yeah, I think that's one. Um, yeah, no, it's going good. Yeah. One other book that I just want to quickly talk about very quickly, because okay. I read through it very fast. Uh, have you ever heard of The Adventures of Sharp? Mm -mm. Probably not. Okay. He's like a British legionary soldier. He's a fictional British legionary soldier who went out to like Afghanistan and that kind of stuff. And he did all these crazy adventures. And he's like a hero and he's very brave and that kind of thing. The, other, the book I've been reading... He's called Flashman. So, imagine the same kind of thing. He's sent off to a foreign, uh, Afghanistan, mm. and he's part of the British Army doing his job, except he is an absolute arsehole. Like, the worst person you can imagine. He lies, cheats, embezzles, all this shit, and he gets away with it because he's good at being an arsehole. And so he's getting promoted through the ranks... Uh, there's a point where, like, 
he's getting chased by like five bandits mm. because he uh, did the no-no fun times with a woman and they're all like we're gonna fucking kill you now because she's she's our wife or whatever and no one of their leaders yeah yeah I, I got you um, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just an interesting phrasing um yeah and and he's he's there with he's a lancer and he's there with one of his aides and the aide is like kills four of the bandits then goes down to the last guy while killing the last bandit kind of thing hmm uh, and so he comes along and he's just like to make sure he kills the last man it's like gasping on the floor he just sticks his lance in as the rest of the cavalry come around the corner and are like oh my god he's killed five people on his own basically <laughs> let's give him a whole bunch of shit like great things and an armed escort and send him back to his people mm. uh, so it's kind of events like that um, uh, it's like a, an unfortunate series of events but the exact opposite <laughs> Where he just stumbles dick first into success. Exactly. Um, like, he's an absolute coward. He runs away very quickly. Um, but then he's the last one surviving quite often. So they're like, oh my god, you got to have that amazing fight on your own. And like, there are bodies, so many bodies of enemies. and Yeah. That's actually kind of, it's, that's very interesting. Because... Hmm. I feel like I've seen other stories with plot lines like that, or, or at least right. characters that that have a share a similar vein, where they just through they're not trying to succeed, but through these series of events, they end up being put into positions of prominence. Mm. Oh think. well, he, he is trying to get all this stuff. Yeah, he's just yeah. But the actions aren't directly related. Yeah, he's he's got like a a wife who he was forced into marrying because he fucked her and then their family were like you're gonna marry her now or we're gonna kill you <laughs> so he's like guess I'm married <laughs> God. Um, but yeah it's definitely not PG uh, there's a lot of fucky fucks and Victorian names for people not of British origin um, <laughs> how yeah, old is so this book? watch it uh I don't know how old it is. It's called Flashman, like I said. Um, it's... I mean, he, he specifically... He, he wrote it... The author wrote it as if he got, like, the papers of this Flashman, had written down papers of his adventures. Hmm. Um, so the author's kind of written back as if it was in Victorian writing. Yeah, and as if it was, like, a... Uh, like an... Like actual events that he's just documenting from a historical yeah. perspective. I don't think it's super old, but I don't think it's... It's not new. Gotcha. Uh, to, I, yeah. I kind of want to look it up, because it actually sounds pretty entertaining. Mmm. It's good. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I've been blabbing for a long time about books. Do you, do you have anything that you want to talk about, or should I move on to another topic? I mean, kind of on the same subject of mythology, just a, a game that I've been playing a bit recently. Uh, I The, the game's called North... What? Oh. Okay, the, the game's Hades called, uh, you know, the game's called Northgard. Uh, it's a game yes. I've had on my wish list for a while, and it was on sale on Steam for like seven bucks this week, so I picked it up. Um, it's interesting. It's yeah. an RTS, and I played it for five hours. Yeah, I I think I've played it for ten hours in the last like day or two. Right. It's it kind of really it really sucked me in. Um, 
once I figured a couple things out. So it's it's based on like Norse mythology, and yeah. like loosely based on Norse mythology. So you have like, it's not meant to be like historically accurate, but you're some Viking clan that gets betrayed, and that's the story yeah. mode. Uh, the gameplay wise, though, it's interesting because a lot of it's automated like the right. resource gathering and stuff like that mm. you can only ever create one villager at a time and that's automatic based on your your village's like population cap and happiness i found out yeah. way too late that happiness was how you got villagers faster so i'm like why is everyone else expanding so much faster than me like because i was and just getting my people winter and everyone dies <laughs> No, no, I was good on resources, but my happiness, yeah. I kept it marginal because I was like, oh, just, just enough happiness to make the number green and I'm yeah. good. Um, not realizing that I could get villagers a lot faster if I made them really happy. And at that point, beer halls everywhere. My, my <laughs> people were like crazy happy. They were pumping out villagers left you and right. crazy drunk. <laughs> it's Vikings, so there's no downside. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, it reminded me a lot of uh, Black and White from back in the day, the way you kind of slowly push yeah. over the land and invade enemies. Yeah, um, it, it has a, it has that same kind of cartoony like art style to it too. Like not yeah. super cartoony, but just like everyone's just a little bit too short and squat, um, <laughs> and they they have I can't remember what Kaisers, you might say. Yeah, they, they, exactly. They share my build. Um, except with, you know, braided beards. Mm, which you wish. Yeah, I can, but... I mean, you almost can, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I can't, I can't make a very good braid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've been playing through, I've, I don't know how, I mean, certainly I picked it up for $7, it's definitely worth that at this price. Yeah. But one thing I've realized playing through this, and playing through a lot of RTS games recently is that StarCraft has basically ruined RTS for me. Like, ruined me for RTS, I should say. Because every other RTS game I play feels glacially slow. I'd say this... That, that's the reason I only spent five hours on it, was because it did feel a bit too slow for me. Uh, yeah. Because when something's happening... So when something's happening, it lasts around a minute, and then you've got... Like, it's an exciting minute, but then you have a long time before you move to the next puzzle pieces that were on the map yeah and um, i i prefer to be able to like rts games i like them to move quickly so mm. yeah starcraft especially you're you've got tons of stuff happening like every moment of the game you're constantly having things to do also i don't think you could directly control your units on the tiles could you you can you can directly control some from within the tile yeah so you can directly control your military units um, and your villagers, you can move them from tile to tile and, like, assign them to different tasks within the tile. Um, but then they they also just kind of do things on their own if you don't give them instructions. Right. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty entertaining game. But yeah, definitely worth its own dollars. I always think, is it... First of all, how much is the average bottle or drink of your choice? And then how many hours worth of enjoyment do you get and then compare it to a game for the cost that's kind of my scheme of is a game worth the money is how many drinks would it take to get through i i try to compare it to like other like kind of experience things so like you know the other things i could spend money on to entertain myself like 
going out, you know, to see a movie, going out with friends, I mean, going to some other event hmm. um, compared to this. But yeah, it's, it's the same sort of concept. Um, already, I think the game is paid for it. Seven, $7 for so far 10 hours of entertainment. Call that a win. Yeah. Uh, like, full price, it's 30 I don't think I'd, I'd pay that. And maybe this was just me finding a way to live with myself making such a purchase. But back when I had CSGO knives, mm. and I, I was like, okay, it's £70, but for a start, I can resell it, which I actually have now. Mm. Um, and... Second of all, it's like seventy pounds. That's like one pretty strong night of drinking, and I've got this for a very long time, and I don't wake up with a hangover. Uh, maybe it kind of tipped me for 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 buying it. Um, Knives, they don't give you a hangover. Exactly, they just make me angry at Russians. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's my model to to, to put it myself. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, what so else? Another topic? Okay. Monsters or mobiles? Let's go with mobiles, because I have something to talk about here, too. Okay, mobiles. The new World of Warcraft mobile game. <laughs> Can you believe it? I I can't believe Blizzard didn't, like, learn their lesson. What? Don't you guys have phones? Right. There's been so many memes about it. And what's even better is that in the opening cinematic to announce it, the first thing that so it's like a person in a in a tavern. Yeah. Right. They walk over to this like kind of pinball esque machine. Right. First thing they do is put money into the slot. <laughs> it's like really Warcraft. Really. Start, start as you mean to go on. We all know there's going to be loot boxes and shit like that, but putting it in the intro cinematic first, before you see gameplay, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. The, God, Blizzard is just... They're, they're really... They're a shell of their former selves. Like, yeah. they, they were already going down, like, a pretty bad road, um, and then they get hit with all the controversy of, you know, the online activists and stuff like that. And then now, like, they had tons of people leaving. So what talent they did have left, and now because they were the source of controversy, they've now got, like, I remember reading this. This is something I read in the past few weeks. Yeah. The, one of the people from Blizzard's, like, HR department now has full creative control to veto any stories in games. Really? Like, I can't think of a way to have a more boring story than to have someone from HR have the ability to say, you can't write that story. Well, I know we, we didn't, we haven't actually talked about it on the podcast because it's been during the two weeks, but the video game Donkey video where he was like, the new Overwatch, and what oh. have they changed? <laughs> McCree is now called Steve, <laughs> or something like that. It's like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, and I... we all know, okay, if you don't know why McCree's name has been changed, it's because there were allegations against the person that McCree was named after. And so that by changing McCree's name in game, they think that they've, like, swept it all away. Who gives a shit? Like, yeah. But yes, I, I mean, did I mean, see that video, and I... Oh. Like, they, they basically... <laughs> I love to how we ended the video, too. He's like... What have they been doing for the past two years? Like, it better just it all be the exactly. Pe- the, 
genuinely, while I was watching it, I messaged Kaiser and I said, I'm not sure if this is a video game donkey joke or not, but I think this is Overwatch 1 that he's showing me. <laughs> it, like, I can't see any difference. Overwatch Overwatch 1 uh, was like, you know, it, it was, was a 6v6, like, class-based yeah. shooter, you know, very arcade and cartoony, over-the-top, goofy kind of action. Uh, fun game. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I haven't really... It, it kind of got a lot worse in more recent times, but for the first few years it was out, I remember playing it quite a bit and really enjoying it. Hmm. Um... Yeah, they, they announced they were making Overwatch 2. So, like, oh, you know, what's going to be changing? You assume new gameplay, new characters, new graphics. Now with one less player in each game. <laughs> like... Yeah, they changed it from 6v6 to 5v5, changed the name of a couple characters, uh... and did a mild rework of a few others. And the graphics are, like, near identical to the point, like Blue said, watching well, the gameplay footage. the same. It's the same maps, just in different times of the day. It's like, seriously? That's milking pretty bad. Dude, dude, so what, what, did, what did we do? We added a two on the end of it. Mm. That's it. Yeah, so that that's... Yeah, but again, it reinforces my point. Like, Blizzard is just going downhill. Mm. The mobile game, though. Mm. Alright. One particularly good thing and one particularly bad thing. I'm going to start with the bad thing so we end up with a good thing. Uh, people might even not even think this is a bad thing. I do. In the video, they showed like, uh, let's say Garrosh, for example. In fact, yeah. they used the other more wussy version of Garrosh, but whatever. Uh, so like an orc, right? In like a plasticine kind of model kind of thing, like a plastic action figure. And then he kind of like becomes to life in his fighting, right? And the first thing I thought was, oh shit, this is the same as what Disney did. And those things cost so much money. Oh, you're talking about the little figures that you, like, stick on a thing. Yes, it... it looked exactly like that, and if they're gonna do that, I don't think anyone is going to buy it. Nintendo did it, too, with the Amiibos. Yes, and they suck. They take up lots of room, they're incredibly expensive, and they don't actually give you that much in-game. You know what the stupid thing is? I So I have a, I have a Switch Pro controller, so I can, yeah. I can play Switch. My Switch is on in the background right now. So I can play things, you know, from my couch with an actual, you know, controller. Mm. For some reason, I couldn't figure this out. Like the the official Nintendo one was like seventy or eighty dollars, but yeah. if you bought like a, a third party one by like a, a quality third party one, it was only like forty or fifty. And normally there's like a ten dollar price difference. Like if I'm talking about like an Xbox controller. If I buy the third party one, they're nearly the same price. Maybe it's like ten dollars cheaper. This one was, it, it was like. $30 cheaper. And I'm like, what? what is the difference? And you know what it is? The Pro Controller has one of those stupid Amiibo sensors built into it. That's the only reason. Because it has this stupid fuck. And I didn't know this until after I'd already bought the controller. Because they built that stupid sensor and that I'm never going to use, it's 30 bucks more expensive. Yep. And, I mean, okay, we talk about Nintendo, but... Warcraft is bad for their microtransactions and all the shitty deals, but Nintendo... We're really shitting on the game companies this time. Alright, <laughs> Nintendo. I've been on the Nintendo store a lot recently because I've been without my PC and I've been uh, nearby a Switch. Mm. And I was looking, I was like, on the Nintendo store, I was like, oh, fuck yes. Mario Strikers Charged. 
is being added to the Wii. Like a remastered, better version, right? Mm. I click on it and I'm like, ooh, what's the new stuff? There is nothing new that I saw on the entire page. Nothing new since the Wii version, which it originally came out on, which has been quite a few years now. And it's got that Nintendo price tag guarantee that it will be £50, because all yeah. Nintendo games are £50. They never decrease in price. Yeah, if you Whether see Whether it's Mario Odyssey, an amazing fucking game, or Luigi Likes to Play Golf 3. Yeah. £50. There, there's only one Switch game that I've ever gotten that was on like a heavy discount, and that was yeah. uh, Sid Meier's Civilization five or six that one i got for like it was on That's amazon not nintendo game though. it it was on the switch though you're oh, right so no you're switch, talking about official nintendo ip yeah 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 in that case 100 uh, percent. they never go on sale yeah no i got the Civ one as well um there's some really good games on the switch but there's also a fuck ton of shit ones um and a lot of the good ones are nintendos so yeah way too expensive what i want on the switch more than anything is Netflix. I could see that. I kind of appreciate, though, that they've taken the stance that they're just, like... they're The other consoles are trying to be, like, everything, like, all-in-one. Like, Xbox, PlayStation, you can get Netflix and Amazon, you can go on the internet and do all this stuff, and you can play games. I kind of appreciate the fact that Nintendo's just like, fuck it, we just do games. That's it. Well, no, they did it for the Wii. In fact, they I did. think they even had Netflix on the Wii. They did. They also had... One of the things I really liked on the Wii was they had a, a news thing. It was yeah. an app, and it just had a... It came up, and it was just a picture of the globe, and you could click on a random country, and it'd be like, hey, here's a random news story from it. I actually used to really oh, like... China, that. everything is perfect, <laughs> as it always is. No, no fuck that. Nintendo, Nintendo's a Japanese company. They're gonna sh they don't give a <laughs> shit about <true>. China. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just annoying because it's like the one console we have plugged in over there, mm. so I can't. That you can't watch me. <sighs> yeah. But yes. Um, the what? The other speaking of mobile, just one last yeah. thing before we wrap this up and move on to the book review. So I told you about this, but I want to talk about it a little bit on the podcast. Um, I have a flip phone, and they're phasing out the three G networks, and so I have to get rid of it. And mm -hmm. so I finally have to, my personal phone is going to be back to being a smartphone again. And I got that Samsung Galaxy Z flip phone thing that's like the folding smartphone. Yeah. It's got the screen that folds in half. I, that seemed like magic to me because I just, I feel like it's just, it looks like it's going to break. It's a gimmick. It's a fucking gimmick. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with a gimmick. Um, I haven't had a new phone in a while, but... Yeah, yeah, so that I, I, I got that. We'll see how it actually works out. This is something that... But this is why I, I bring it up. <clears throat> My choices were... And I understand the way that like mobile networks and like the, the companies and stuff chart... Their pricing plans are actually a lot better in Europe. Um, like for getting a, a mobile phone. Uh, in the US, they're borderline predatory. Like, I could get this, this phone from my carrier, which is Verizon... And mm. it would be, I get two options. I could get the phone, the 128 gigabyte version of the phone, for 36 payments of 27.77, right? Yeah. 
or just pay a thousand dollars right that's then that's to upgrade the phone line of course if i had a smartphone and traded it and they they give you some other deal but that's just so that they can like basically keep you switching your phone out and never actually owning it um if i went to samsung's actual website i could get the 256 gig version of the phone so double the size and it came with their like little wireless earbuds that are like 150 bucks for free along with a $50 bucks earbuds. Yeah, Jesus. yeah. They're they're probably overpriced, but still they're they're like really high quality like wireless earbuds. Think like AirPods but Samsung. Right. Um anyway, and a $50 gift card to Google Play Store for $50 cheaper than it was at Verizon. So $950, you get the free headphones, you get the $50 gift card, and you get the phone that's got twice the memory. Yeah. And it's the unlocked version, so I could use it with any carrier. So and it's and it was still fifty dollars. I just, I just when I saw them, buying phones stresses me the fuck out. I don't want any of those special plans. I just want to buy a phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's Personally. the thing. That 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 was why I was glad that I decided to check Samsung's website because I was able to just buy the phone, and it was mm. cheaper, the better version of the phone, and it came with a bunch of free shit. Nice. That's it. I mean, the last time I upgraded my phone wasn't because it broke. It was just because it was so old, because I'd looked after it so well that the App Store and stuff no longer ran on it. And that kind of makes iPhones a bit obsolete. <laughs> a I bit. mean, that I is exactly... calls, but that's about it. That's exactly why I'm changing out my phone now, because it literally will not function uh, yeah. on, on the wireless network anymore. They've got those fucking predefined death dates for your phone when they sell to you well not not this one this one they're just taking down the the antennas because they're all on 5g now this one still works on 3g yeah i hope they didn't do that in my country because i still use 3g <laughs> yeah i don't know how they how they change that in the u.s compared to mm. anyway uh right have we got time for another topic or are we going on to segment three we're already at about 40 minutes let's Let's end us off there. We can uh, and get get on to the book review. Gotcha. All right. This is going to be the end of uh, segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card segment, and we're back to another book review this week. Uh, in particular, one that has been a long time coming, at least, you know, one that Blue has been pushing me to read for quite a long time. Uh, he's described it as one of his favorite works of dystopian fiction. Um, so it is Blind Faith by uh, Ben Ben Elton, is it? Ben Elton. Yep. Ben Elton. Thank you. Um, yeah, do you want to... He writes some very fucked up books. If you don't know Ben Elton books, uh, this is... One of his more fucked up ones, I guess. Because yeah. Because it just makes you feel uncomfortable, as we'll get into. But uh, Repeat, there, there were also... Gone. There were points where I literally had to take... I was listening to it on an audiobook. And part of it, I think, was the performance of the person doing the reading. But there were points where I like I had to stop reading for a while. I had to stop listening, because it just... It was making it was making my skin crawl. Mm. Uh, there's another really good one call it's uh fuck it's something idle it's like it's based off pop idol and how 
it, it makes you th- whether it, any of it is like relatable to real life or not I don't know because I'm not in that industry mm. but it's super not PG it's really bad you would find it very funny <laughs> um, but also a little bit fucked up <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, no, I've been reading a lot of dystopian novels recently, and obviously started with the uh, one that you recommended. Oh yeah, Brave New World, right? Brave New World. Yeah. Uh, and then I've read 1986. 84. 1984. Clearly it left a good impression. <laughs> uh, which they actually reference in this book. They do, and actually one of the first things I wrote, your computer was getting yes. some TLC. Uh, but one of the first things I wrote in my notes, you know, because I wanted to get this down right after I finished it, was uh, at first seemed like a combination of Idiocracy, 1984, and a tel- televangelist. Um, or in televangelism. <clears throat> yeah. Are you familiar with the movie Idiocracy? No. It's a, So it's an American, like, comedy movie. And the idea is, like, the as part of some government experiment this random you know average soldier dude and a hooker get frozen in a medical experiment to see if cryogenic sleep works um Mm -hmm. but it due to government incompetence it just they they don't get woken up ever and so like 50 years or like a hundred and something years later they wake up but people have basically just gotten stupider and stupider to the point where like the average IQ is like 40 or something like that and it's just the whole world is covered in trash you know the president is a pro wrestler um right. and like all just but it's it's meant to be a comedy of just but it's, it was also a little bit disturbing because you know, when you see it and it's just people getting more and more moronic um and so Sounds i saw it pretty good to be honest it, it's it's like a pretty funny a movie like i i'd highly yeah. recommend it but this this book in a lot of ways i saw like pieces of that and then of course pieces of 1984 and um mm-hmm. and then of course the televangelist stuff was kind of obvious because they're the people the preachers you see on tv you know like the lord is coming down and yeah Anyway, sorry. It's the Lord and the love. The Lord and the love. And oh boy, there's a lot of love to go around. I I did have to look up when this book was written because how they pre- like the the groups that they predicted would become the oppressors in this future world and some of the disasters. Uh, it's definitely very dated in terms of like because I could tell I was like I bet this was written in like the early 2000s or mid 2000s because that was the period of time where people were like thinking that the oppressors of the future were going to be like you know these these the hardcore church? religious groups yeah yeah and that's kind of you know obviously that that didn't happen we've we've passed on that religion is like <laughs> less influential now than it pretty at much has ever been countries. yeah at least not in, not in like english speaking like western countries mm. um Basic, yeah, like the the hardcore evangelical Christians really didn't end up growing in popularity or power. No. Uh, but yeah, do you want to do the, the, the walkthrough? Yeah, and I think that I might actually be able to... So, I, I've forgotten. What's the main character's name? Is it it's not, is it Winston? Or is no. It, what, what is his, his name? Because I'm going to... Oh, crap. I coughed. 
Uh, you babble. <laughs> okay, so basically the premise is, this book is set something like a hundred or so years in the future, so the year 2100 and something. And, um, the, the, uh, sea levels have risen, uh, the world's become hot, basically, the whole runaway... <laughs> so I, I typed Blind Faith main character into Google, and it came up with, Blind Faith? The main character is Irene, who recently divorced to her husband Greg. I was like, "Wait, what?" I one thing <laughs> I found out. Blind faith. <laughs> one thing I, I found out looking this book up was there are quite a few books out there called Blind Faith. Mm. Trafford. Trafford. Thank you. Mm. Ironically, I remember his wife's name better than his. His he her name was Shantoria. Yeah. Anyway, so this guy Trafford. Um, it's sort of like a pseudo-1984 state, but with an eye towards social media and online culture. So basically, there's a lot of things, this cultural things, that I think this book gets very right in terms of, like, looking at what they, they could evolve into and how bad they could get. Um, anyway, Trafford, he is this British guy who lives, you know, and works for like a government agency there's this whole spiel at the beginning where he's talking about d doing some world building as he's going through his commute um and how it's like crazy hot and well, the very very first thing is when he's still in his apartment and the telescreen yeah it's, it's established that in the style of 1984 which like you said they reference there there's these always online screens everywhere but it's much more social media-esque where everyone is always doing a video blog or everyone is always live streaming or always mm. getting Big ads drama. and stuff yeah it's it's Big Brother if Big Brother was automated by an algorithm and a bunch of fat, sweaty people with issues and narcissism. Um, yeah. who, who is your landlord and can see everything that you do. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I think the um, Barbie Hart, I think is the, the woman's name. Yeah. She's like become so enormously fat she can't leave her apartment. And um, I mean, there's some people in... Anyway. But yeah, it's... It, and it draws parallels in some time to uh there, I did think that there was a lot of uh a lot of predictions there that where this book like it, it definitely predicted the whole body positivity movement. You know, the the whole healthy at any size thing, which anyone yeah. who has studied any marginal amount of medicine knows that that's ridiculous. Um yeah. And by that we mean on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Or at least I do. Yeah, okay, we both do. Um, yeah, which is no. that people should not be a certain skinniness. Yeah, you... Like, that like, is unhealthy. Anorexia, bulimia, that's very unhealthy. Obesity, mm. that's unhealthy. But... Anyway, yes, that was there disclaimer are people, aside. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are people who will claim that they can be perfectly healthy, uh, you know, with those conditions. No, no. Not... In general, no. Uh, anyway, so... She can't leave her apartment, so all she does is watch other people's live streams and peek in on them and be the, the town gossip or the, the tenement gossip because they're all in one big tenement building, which is their community, which community in like the Facebook sense of it, too, where they, they have like community live streams and there's a definite pecking order uh, among the, you know, the people in the building. And yep. um, popularity. Yep. So he also talks about how, like, they, I think one of the many, many annoying, like, shortened phrases that they have in this this book. Oh, uh, I didn't mind this. I didn't mind the, the, this short phrase. If it's the one that I think you The think. physical office one? 
Yeah, fizzy yeah. coughs. They call them fizzy coughs. And because they were just talking about diseases like a second before in the book, when I heard that at first, I thought like fizzy cough, like he he has he has a fizzy cough today, like he has like a phlegm in his throat or something like that, and he's mm. he's sick. No, physical office. So also it predicted the whole working remotely thing that because that's something that's come about more recently um, although it's for different reasons to be fair yeah it's mainly because what was it was it because of space reasons or was it because just the internet was uh, so prevalent that they could do it this way or so there's so because everyone could communicate with everyone via telescreens but in order to uh basically have people actually having other human contact and then by extension having relationships and things they had to go into the office a certain number of days yeah that was the other thing oh yeah because because the um one of the main it's hard to really call it an antagonist but kind of the one of the main driving i guess bad organizations in the uh in the story is this this religious order called the temple which is basically like if you combined uh like evangelical preachers and specifically the ones you see on TV, uh, who are basically just there to get cash, and then combine them with, like, I don't know, the Catholic Inquisition from, like, medieval times, and mix them together, and also... Um, Not just really any kind of Inquisition, really. <laughs> well, yeah, except, but the thing is, they're also insanely perverse. I think th there's a line I wrote down in here, because it was I was trying to think of the best way to describe how... Um, yeah, here it is. Um... The best way to describe the, the world in a, in a very pithy sentence, and this is what I came up with. This is a world where religion has become a perversion and science has become a religion. Um, and I'll, well, I'll get into that with the plot, how I, why I think that, that works. Because um, I'll, I'll talk about the temple a little bit too. But th basically the whole thing is they need to keep having kids. And one of the reasons they need to keep having kids is because... You know, because everything has become like subtropical in the Britain, like they end up getting a lot worse diseases. Um, one one thing that they didn't go into, like they focus very heavily on uh, viral infections in this, yeah. and how uh, vaccinations have become sort of a uh, well, stigma. There's so much fluids going around, so many people, and I yeah. think. Um, but you were just talking about idiocracy. I hmm. feel like with the amount of breeding is what I'm going to call it. Uh, that's going on, which is, you know, you'd imagine there's a lot of by the fact too. that, um, I mean, it's also kind of a drawback to um, Brave New World, in mm. that people are encouraged from a very young age to record themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone and, is. Yeah, yeah. Marriages are are short and uh, very public. Because I yeah. think. Isn't every every woman is supposed to record her first time and upload it and stuff yeah. like that? They, and they're giving birth and yeah, there's there is a lot of like gratuitous descriptions of bodily functions in this that I didn't need to. I I went through this <laughs> when I was in college and had to like watch videos of surgery and stuff like that and yeah, I I don't but I don't uh, that, that that's. A good uh, example just to really tell people how quickly disease spreads in this world, really, yeah. I think. I think they missed, I think they, they focused, one, one critique I have as, you know, somebody who, um, you know, went to school for this sort of, like, medical side of things, is yeah. they, 
they really focused way too heavily on on vaccines. And I think that, again, is also uh, dating the uh, the book a little bit because there was a very um, strong religious push against general vaccination around the time Mm -hmm. this book was written. Uh, But the thing is, they they completely glossed over one of the biggest threats that we have coming up. And that's the fact that antibiotics are currently and have been way overused in our lifetimes to the point where bacterial infections, you know, in our own world are probably going to be really difficult to deal with in a few decades. Mm. Uh, If we don't primarily focusing on sticking it to the anti-vaxxers. Yeah, that's why I think that there's it's it's more of like the the author's own own. That's me getting meta here. Um, But if (laughs) if I were to make one one critique of the they they really missed a golden opportunity to talk about the dangers of overusing antibiotics, because then they they, because there's there's multiple because there's the danger of underusing valuable medication and there's the danger of overusing medication. Both of those things can cause disasters, but they, they really only focused on one. Minor critique, but moving on. You, uh, his, he's talking about his. This is one of the first times I had to stop listening to the book, is when he he describes the scene of him trying to get onto the subway. And this is where you first start to realize how like perverse the society is, because everyone is like half naked, like everyone. People are walking in just like, you know, boobies hanging out. Bikinis. Uh, they're they're wearing thongs like men and women like they just and they're all flabby and sweaty and all pressed together and it's described in gory detail. Yeah. <coughs> but I will not repeat most of that here. Um, but this is where you they they kind of introduce the religious part of it and how the religion kind of encourages the graphic sharing and the over sexualization of things. Uh, and there's somebody called a confessor. And basically, it's a religious person that's assigned to a community. And um, this religious person who, I can't remember what, he's Confessor something. Professor Bailey. Confessor Bailey. Confessor Bailey, not Professor Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a little monocle. Um, uh, But yeah, so he catches Trafford as he's going through the throng of people. And, you know, admonishes him, like, why have you not uploaded the video of your new, your new child, of the, the birthing of your new child? Don't you want to share with your community? Don't you want to share in the love? Yeah. <laughs> Are you ashamed of your wife's... Cooch. C-word. Yeah, okay, I was... I, I, don't, know, I don't know how PC I don't, some of these words that's, are. That's, Cooch, that's that not right? a swear, it's just a very crass term. And honestly, yeah. there were a lot of terms like that, too. Okay, I'm going I'm to say this right now. This was one of the things that disturbed me the most about the way this book was written. Almost every, especially about the dialogue, almost every person in the book talks in a very juvenile and childish yeah. manner. But the word also, boobies is used so many times. But also in a very overly sexualized manner. Mm. So they talk about the kiddos and the boobies and the cooch and all this. And it's just like, oh... Yes, yeah. just it was disturbing to listen to on so many levels. Um, but anyway, so he, he admonishes him for it, and then you know tells him that he needs to. He promises he'll upload it, and when he tell he asks what the kid's name is going to be, and he's of course you know unhappy oh, yeah. that he, they decided to name her Caitlin because Caitlin is a very traditional name. They should have named him something more modern, and so he tells him, oh, mm-hmm. the middle name is Happy Meal, so it's Caitlin Happy Meal. 
and that yeah. of course is is oh okay that's that's a little bit better but yeah there's a because mcdonald's is quite a funny thing i think that they all put in it's like these days mcdonald's is like the height of fine dining yeah yeah <laughs> it's exactly. like the only restaurant chain that got through the purge kind of thing yeah exactly uh, there, and there's other like restaurant chains too and it's it's all like crappy fast food and junk and stuff and they make a point that the floor is like littered with you know discarded food packets and everyone is constantly eating crappy mm. food and it's this this was the most horrifying part to me everything Sugar. is yeah exactly yeah, everything yeah. is sweet everything, <laughs> everything. is sweet and I'm like, oh, including the alcohol and just yeah, they they call it like what is it like? Alco pops. Alco pops, yeah. Which um, is just I'm assuming just alcoholic soda. Yeah, which you have in real life. They, they, yeah, they, it it's something that um, exists. But oh yeah, no, everything is uh, lots of cakes. And yeah, sweets. people are eating donuts all the time. Um, oh. and the priests go around. In slightly more moderate wear than the average person, slightly. Yeah. Uh, and they also wear a lot of jewelry. And they do, uh, you know, it's revealed later in the book that the Confessor Bailey has a um, some quite uh, interesting jewelry on his gentleman's yes. area. Um, Gold and jewels. But anyway, so they get to the office. Yeah, yeah, he gets into the office and we're inter introduced to one of the next on completely insufferable character uh yeah. princess lovebud that's her name. i keep wanting to say bubblegum but that's adventure time <laughs> uh who yes, is princess lovebud. yeah she's basically the equivalent of the barbie heart chick from the 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 place they live but in the office so yeah. she's the social butterfly she wants everyone to you know be their best and live their best life and all this bullshit anakin <laughs> do it anakin i didn't be the donut anakin i didn't mean to do the palpatine voice but okay um and also the the whole like everyone you know, the group hugs and everything like rugs yeah rugs oh that was yeah that was the word that you yeah used. that was a bad one <laughs> and it's just again the description of them being like pressed into each other's sweaty yeah. folds and Ooh, yep okay oh uh, yeah i won't, won't go too much more into that but um yeah so he describes his his office job and honestly i would have a lot of fun with this office job yeah so his, his job is basically data compilation and essentially the government is constantly collecting data and the data that they're collecting, they use, he described it as completely useless. Like, they basically, they have a job for the sake of having a job. And it's trying to find out, like, oh, you know, the geographical location of two people when they first, um, you know, did something and then how long it took them to get married or something like that. Yeah, measuring society in a whole bunch of crazy ways to try and find... Uh, similarities um and but that even then all right so first of all that job reminds me a lot of beholder i'm sure you remember that yes i do i love that game uh and then actually also the society's a little bit similar as well um and that but no the, the people with the worst job of all mm. are the people who are literally just there to fill the quota I, I got I loved this thing because I've you know I've I've shit on this before on the podcast. It's something that I hate in like modern corporate office life. Uh, yeah. Is that 
there are these like quotas for people um but they, they're taken to a ridiculous degree in this in this um book yeah. like i believe it's there's a guy who is hired to be old and there and a woman who yeah. is hired to be um disabled thank you i was about to say a much less pc term yeah. um <laughs> And the thing is, he makes a point in the book that they're perfectly capable of doing the work yeah. and very intelligent, but that's not Probably their job. Probably better than the people that are yeah. doing the job. But no, no, they're hired to prevent you know ageism and yeah. ableism. Sit in a corner. They just sit there and be old and be disabled. Yeah, which you got to wonder, how old is old in this society? That's true. I mean... Presumably, they just have to wait for one of the other employees, you know, to fill the role or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but like, yeah, they don't really ever talk they about live how old sugar and stuff like that, and they didn't have good medical care. Then. That that was something. Well, I, they make a they make a very accurate point in this book, um, and that's that the, the society has very high infant mortality, uh, but once they pass infancy, they actually do live for quite a ways. Like. Um, and this is something that is a common misconception when people talk about the average life expectancy back in medieval times, because they say it was like 30 years. Um, but that doesn't mean that the average person lived to 30 years old. It means that most people died as children, but then once they got past that, people could live into their 50s and 60s, no problem. Um, gotcha. Barring war and pestilence and disaster and things. So... The way they describe this in the book is actually pretty accurate. Most of the people who are dying are dying as children, but once you pass childhood, you're probably going to live into your 50s or 60s, despite mm. the horrendous diet. You won't be very happy in your old age with all that shit food and stuff, but... Yeah, uh, yeah so the, that's the first... Of, the first day at work is really just to introduce these people. Oh, um, and uh, they introduce uh, Sandra D. I think she... She's introduced as one of the other people in the office. I don't know if... I think they're having a welcoming party for a new office member who's just out of university. That's right, yeah, it's a new girl, and so the um, the Barbie... No, not Barbie, Barbie yeah. no. uh, uh Love Bud. She is like, oh, I, I tuned you up, I looked at all your videos, and they yeah, she's showing... Every... someone up is like... As kind of, basically using YouTube. It's Facebook um, stalking. Yeah, but well, they even say tube you up though, so that's like they do. Like, yeah, that, that's why I use the term. YouTube. Yeah, um, yeah, and then go on. Anyway, so she is showing everyone in the office the video of this new girl, you know, losing her virginity, and um, it's just like treated as this. Oh, it's just uh, it's a funny little office prank. Oh, this is so silly, and she's mm. like, oh, I'm so embarrassed, and it's treated as as. That kind of an intimate thing being shown in an office environment is just, that's fine. Yeah, no worries. And um, this turns into a conflict with um, Sandra, D. Sandra D, who is described as an extremely modest woman, like by the standards of everyone. When, when, keep in mind, modest for this society. So she's just wearing like a blouse and a short-ish skirt. And that's considered modest because everyone else is just walking around in like a, a thong and that's it. Um... And she also is described as having very moderately sized breasts, which, again, yeah. in this society, it's expected uh, that, like, you know, if you don't have biggins, you got to go out there, you're expected to get implants. It's a social obligation. And if you don't, some families will literally 
drug kidney. you and yeah they actually do it they describe it as the um yeah as a bunch of like as guys like the the, the men in the family like the uncles and brothers and stuff will yeah will drug the uh, you know drug the girl and bring her to get the operation done which is mm. disturbingly reminiscent of um in a lot of like central asian uh countries i, I can't remember what country this is i, I don't want to say a lot of them there's one in particular that i in a very rural region where there's a tradition where if a guy you know uh you know wants to marry a woman she's maybe not interested all that guy's male relatives will kidnap the woman and then bring her to the female relatives and they'll basically harass her into marrying the guy which is it's not the same it's different it's boob job versus that but yeah i mean it's almost worse i would say it is worse yeah Wait, wait, the, uh, the, the boobs? Well, I mean, the... at least the person's not having surgery done. I mean... Yeah, that's, it's, it depends on... Let's yeah. not get... Because FGM and is all where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But it's... um, It's disturbing regardless. Yes. Uh, I will say, if you stuck it through this far, it does get less shocking as we get... We are in, like, the first two scenes of the book, if that... Yeah. And there's a reason I'm kind of front-loading all of this early on, like a lot of the disturbing stuff, because the, that's the way the book is structured, really, is like all of the, the most fucked up things, like a lot of the world building about how messed up this world is, happens in those first few chapters. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the conflict happens between uh, uh, Sandra D and uh, Lovebud, and basically yeah. Lovebud is like mocking her for not having you know, boobs. And um, she basically just comes back and it's like, yeah, I don't care. I don't need him. And it, it, the conflict kind of escalates a little bit. And um, I, I, the Trafford, he sees an opportunity to kind of defend her without defending her, but basically to derail the whole conversation. And, um, well, yeah, then Cassius, <clears throat> Steps Ca- in. Cassius is yeah. Cassius is the old guy. Cassius. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, the yeah? Back to the Red Rising references. Uh, I, I want to read. I want to reread those books. That, that really good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um. So he uh, Cassius takes Trafford out for lunch. That's right to a falafel shop. A falafel shop. Yes. Falafel. Yeah, I, I can never pronounce that. <laughs> Well, but not one of the mainstream falafel shops where they put lots of sugar in their falafel, which sounds really weird, because I don't know if you've had falafel, I'm sure you have. Mediterranean, it's not sweet. No, it's it's a a savory dish. Yeah, Um, yeah, so he takes him, not to one of these chain restaurants, but to like a small mom and pop place, which... It's described as, oh, we, we can't be seen here. This is this is weird. We'll be seen as, you know, unorthodox. And, hmm. um, but they go in, they have it, and they have a little bit of a conversation. And this is, in this conversation, it's revealed that Cassius is, uh, you know, part of basically a secret society where he, you know, he he's clandestinely, like, vaccinating children if, you know, for if he can to save them from all these different diseases that go around. Um, yep. and then he also has an interest in these, like, this banned literature and stuff like that, and, 
Uh, basically, he's taken him aside because he knows that Trafford has a newborn baby and he's worried about, you know, the babies. Like, I could, you know, give it the right, uh, the right shots to make sure that it doesn't die of whatever disease. And, um, of course, Trafford, Trafford doesn't believe. He doesn't believe it and he's terrified by this. He's basically saying, like, what are you talking about? We aren't having this conversation. Like, he thinks Cassius is a cop or something like that. Like somebody yeah. who's going to narc on him. Um, but he eventually, like, realizes the wisdom of what Cassius is saying, that, you know, if you act suspicious, that's when people are going to pay attention to you. No one watches all of this crap, like, on all these different screens. Um, and, uh, what? No, nah, so Trafford agrees to at least think about it and go home. And he's going to talk to his wife about it and everything. Um, so he goes back home. Uh, his wife is... She, she's like... If you've ever seen like... Um, Tinkerbell is, is the next part. Tinkerbell? Yeah. Which... Give, give... Tinks, the uh, person in the apartments who's the really popular girl oh yeah yeah because she she's talking about how like she lost her kid or something like that and no she's getting married she's getting married but hasn't she also lost a child so like that that comes up in the conversation anyway yeah, yeah she's she getting married and she's gossiping and talking about this and stuff all over the live stream and trafford's wife is desperately trying to be part of the conversation it has a very like Mean Girls kind of like high school drama kind of feel to it where they, yeah. there's like it's the, the hens are picking her to death which I can totally see that being a kind of horror <laughs> the kind of mass mob of people they're trying to be friends with and they just well this, this is actually something that um, and again it's one of the places this book is remarkably prescient because it's something that has since been studied a lot more um by psychologists since the time this book was written and they found that like the people who are have the most negative mental health effects from using like using a lot of social media is is young women young women or, or teenage girls um because there is a, a tendency um like when you compare men and women in broad averages women do tend to be much more social like on average um, or, and I don't know, maybe care more about social standing. And there, there's because, but there's I, I'm not sorry. There's there's evolutionary reasons for it. Um, but finish your finish your thought. Well, I was gonna say I the 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 evidence I have for this, which um, is that when you hear these stories about people like on the news, they come on the news two days running wearing the same dress or something. Mm. They get heckled like shit. Um, yeah. well, that, but it doesn't happen for the men and stuff like that. Just you, everyday there, appearance. Is... There, there is a funny thing where um, they, they, they did a, a look into this and women do receive a ton of harassment online and it almost always comes from other women. Um, and so it, there, there's, again, there are evolutionary reasons and social, and again, I'm talking in broad averages here, but they, they have found, and part of the reason for this is like humans evolved to be in like small tribal communities, like tracking your social standing 
in a group of say like 100 to 500 people and beyond that it becomes more difficult now you've got social media things where your brain is tracking the fact that I'm now part of a community of like 10,000 people or like a million people or something like that and suddenly yeah. you get bombarded with like you know maybe only like 100 or 200 people say there are are jumping on you and saying oh that that's don't agree with that I hate you for this your the brain too busy making lalafels in Final Fantasy to uh, <laughs> pay any attention. <laughs> it's like, do, do you remember that the meme, the um, the the this is the male fantasy meme? The it's the one where there, there's like some some feminist blogger who's like, this is why I hate video games. You know, this this just oh, appeals yeah. to the you male fantasy. The day, didn't you? Well, there's like a million of them. So basically, yeah. they cut out what she originally had there and just had guys doing something stupid in a video game. And yeah. it's just, they're, they're, it's hilarious. Anyway, I'm getting way <laughs> off track here. But basically, his, Trafford is, is um, kind of disheartened by the way things, this has happened to his wife. Like, because she apparently used to be a much more, like, independent person. She used to be, like, a lot more confident and assured of herself. But since mm -hmm. they've become part of this community and she's quite low on the pecking order... Um, she's become much more desperate to fit in and to get some social clout. You look like you want to say something. Uh, I was gonna say, did you remember the bit where he snaps? Oh, this is the, that's why I brought up her kid, the Tinkerbell's yeah. kid, because um, uh, she's like hogging the limelight and she's just like, oh, I know my baby's up in heaven. And he's he's sending words to my psychic and the psychic Yeah, the psychic is <laughs> and and um and uh Trafford's uh, like, Oh, did he learn to read and speak up there or something like that? Yeah. In and heaven. Just, just a moment of sarcasm that he just couldn't hold because he was getting so pissed at these people shitting on his wife, which yeah. perfectly natural reaction to have. You know. Uh but good on you, Trafford, defend your baby. woman. What? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a little bit of that too. But to Yikes. be fair, the the woman was using her oh, yeah. dead child to try and gain social clout, which again, was and kind of granted, bad. neither of us believe in psychics. Frankly, in real life, if you go to a psychic and that person helps your mental attitude, then all some people to you. like they're looking for comfort, and if that brings you comfort, yeah, more power to you. Anyway, so. <laughs> that <laughs> turns it around. Yeah, he he has to very quickly like cover himself by like, oh, is, is this? I, I just meant that it's it's wonderful that the the a child can communicate so purely and so completely through the psychic or something like that. And yeah, barely manages to save himself from getting like blogged up about how shitty a person he is. Haven't explained blogged up yet. <laughs> So, well, I mean, it's kind of self-evident. Basically, if, yeah. if somebody doesn't like you and that person is popular and they have a bunch of following, they can basically just type up how shitty you are and it, it fucks up your I love how they re replace the word fuck with blog. <laughs> and then they say, I'm going to blog you up. <laughs> Literally, that's that's just what they do. It's, well, it's because funny. in this world, like, the social media clout has a lot more... It, there, right. There's a lot of yeah. elements of this where they they've essentially grafted... Um, kind of the the evangelical and social media culture from the U.S. onto the U.K. in a lot of ways. Because mm. um, this takes place in the U.K., but a lot of the ways that people act is kind of this weird American-British hybrid. Because 
I don't know. And maybe this is just me projecting or thinking about this because just like, and, and again, was, it, it's a dysopian future. I'm just thinking like if somebody wrote something else about me like that, I'm just going to go fucking kick down their door. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Step outside. I sat having a meal with uh, some people the other day and they made some remarks about Americans, which I am not going to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sat there like, I think you're all full. I didn't say it, but I think you're all full of shit. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I mean, every, every, um, every culture, every country has like their one thing that there, there's a lot of Britishness about Trafford that really, really gets under my skin. He's, he's yeah? just, he's such a remarkable pussy in so many ways. Like, he, he's very, very introverted in a lot of ways. He doesn't, like, just, oh, yeah. him just, like, just but come out and do something. And I'd say he's quite the opposite. In a society like that, where you can be literally beaten to death for accidentally yeah. stepping on a card that was left for a deceased child... That is by true. A horde of angry mothers. I think him saying a saki remark about a dead child is, that is paramount true. to suicidal braveness. He he did grow on me. He did grow on me in the early stages. That was my feeling, and he did slowly grow on me as he became a little bit more assertive and a little bit more confident in his uh, beliefs and stuff near the end of the book. Anyway, so. That all happens. Um, he broaches the subject of vaccination with his wife. Um, she reacts very emotionally and does not want to like hear. It. And she's constantly like paranoid that somebody might hear or something like that. And uh, she doesn't want it done. She, you know, even though he like he he's swaying her, but she's just kind of become so beaten down by this community that she's in. She just doesn't want to take the risk or anything like that. Yeah. He decides he's gonna fuck it. He's gonna do it anyway. He does because he's lost. It's established he's lost what a child in the past. What does she do? What does she have a job? I don't know. I don't know what she does. Because if she doesn't have a job, I can. How fucking bad would it be if you couldn't even, you know, even going to a shitty well, workplace you, like you that? You can't is even escape. Yeah, you're just you're stuck there, constantly surrounded by the screens in this horrible community which you're at like the lowest rung of um anyway so trafford decides he's gonna he's gonna take care of this he's gonna have it done so he contacts cassius again um they make arrangements to um go and have this this done um yeah. and, and i think they do it in a theater they do they they yeah. they go out to a theater and they basically just have the baby there and you know it just clandestinely sticks it with the needle and gives it the vaccination and then yeah. they go off and uh, there's there's a bunch of a bunch of what happens over the next couple chapters and I'm gonna gloss over them very quickly um, and then. <sighs> Yeah, a bunch of what happens over the next chapters, it's mostly dialogue, and it's mostly them just kind of, like, it, it's more world building. It's more listening to the, the shitty opinions of Barbie Hart and uh, What's-Her-Face. I would like to go into the trial, because the trial was fucking funny. We can talk about that, yep. Um, but that's, 
That that's the, that next. That that's remember. when they they go to see the, um, they they talk about confession for the first time, right? And I I will get to that, but we it takes a bit to get to that because the tr- that the confession where they that's where they're going for the divorce. Yes, that was yeah. You're right. Sorry. So there's there's a couple things that have to happen first, but we'll we'll get to that. And um, actually, we've been going for a, a little bit. I'm gonna we should just pause here for a sec. Um, and then we'll pick up in like two seconds. Be right back. All right. So, where was I? Uh, they just got vaccinated. He goes back. Um, and like I was saying, a lot of the chapters at this point, there's just, there's a lot of dialogue. And again, it's more world building, establishing how shitty the people are, establishing some of the other social norms that are meant to be like disturbing from today's standpoint. Um, and one of the things that happens is that uh, so Trafford becomes more and more interested in this Sandra D character uh, that we yeah. mentioned earlier, uh, mostly because of how she kind of has this quiet, calm defiance of uh, the you know the office bully. Yeah, she doesn't want to pay into the cupcake fund. Yeah, the or the donut fund or whatever it is. Which I am fully behind that. I'm sure you are as well. Yeah. Uh, so so. This interest kind of develops in him going, and he he goes and stalks her on social media, looks at her YouTube page, looks at her Facebook page, her blog, and everything. Basically, they're expected, or I, I don't know if they're legally required or if they're just expected, to do a blog post every day. Well, I think their confessor probably expects them to, and if they don't, then they're going against the love and the Lord, so... Yeah, yeah. I think it is technically, like, a legal thing. That's the other thing. They, they have... They talk about other... There's basically other gods. So they, it's the religion that the temple preaches is roughly based on Christianity, but they've added new deities to the pantheon because they've now got Diana, whoever the fuck that is, and they're they're like they everything is like we confess to the Lord and the love. I I loved the way that the the reader did all the preachers in this. Like he his his like. You know, bombastic like, preacher voice was you can, so. You can see like Elvis as a priest. That's that's yeah. kind of. That was kind of yeah. The, the that was the feel. Yeah. <laughs> like they're about to burst into song. Well, that's one of the things you. One of them says like, "Let me hear you say yeah." And yes. Let me hear you say yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, excuse me. It was so good. Oh. They're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there yeah, were yeah. definitely. I know, I, I kind of shit on the audiobook version earlier, just, but again, it was, it was a testament to the quality. How creeped out I felt by some of the dialogue, um, but the some of the ways that he read the preacher voice prices were just priceless. Anyway, so he goes and he, he stalks her online, and he discovers that she doesn't post shit, like. Her blog is basically just copy-pasted segments from other people's blogs. Her videos are all people who have really crappy cameras, and they're just kind of rough angles that sort of look like her, but aren't really her. So she's never posted anything online. And um, his wife catches him doing this. Just like, oh, who the fuck is this? Um, And he turns around, and she's wearing like a chocolate thong or something like that because she's well they've been arguing for a very long time and yeah and it comes across a, a phrase which is kind of interesting linging someone up 
Yeah, linging and again being a shortening of lingerie. Um, and the idea being that, yeah, she's so she's and it's of course it's chocolate. And, yeah. you know, she's wearing a Which she bought from a shop which has just the greatest name, which needs to be a real thing. What is it? <laughs> the shop was, I think it was Dirty Sexy Naughty Bitch. Yeah, that's what it was. the name of the shop. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was naughty or slutty, but yeah, it was it, yeah. that. That was what it was called. Um, <clears throat> also, the way that the, the person reading this audiobook has like a very posh British accent for his narration. Mm. Like, he does a lot of other voices really well. But to hear him go... He bought the the thong clearly from dirty, sexy, naughty bitch. It just it, it, it sounded so weird in that accent. Yeah, I was listening to Ian McKellen talk dirty. <laughs> oh, oh God. Um. <laughs> anyway, so Trafford's like not happy about this, but of course, Barbie Hart has seen this on the the live stream, and oh, so everyone's seen this. Yeah, and because of that, board. he basically is just like. Just it takes all the wind out of his sails. He's he's floppy as hell, uh, but he needs to sort they, her out. Yeah, they need a, a they have a social obligation now to to yeah. sort her out, as they say. That's their word, not ours. <clears throat> yeah, and so they they you know dry hump for a while for the cameras and then go to bed. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, and the other plot that's been developing at this point is the fact that uh, Cassius, he's become more and more involved with Cassius now about the whole... So this is something that... And we, I think we... Well, I'll, I'll save this for, for our discussion at the end because this is a plot point. Um, Cassius makes the point that he would um, you know, medicate all the children if he could, you know, with or without their parents' permission. Mm. And... Um, I know we, we had a brief discussion about this. I want to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, but he becomes more involved with Cassius in that he finds out that he's part of like a humanist society. Humanists being just a basically a, a fancy way to call yourself an atheist um, for the most part. Not atheist, more like agnostic. They're people who um, are... But humans first, really. I mean, is the most basic yeah. way of... Yeah. Uh, and the way that they... they do it like he um this is this is part of the second part of that that quote I, I read earlier that i had written down that science has become a religion uh to basically the humanists that cassius is involved with and the as he describes his own worldview and philosophy it becomes very clear that he's one of these people to whom science itself the concept of reason has become a sort of religious creed um which in my personal opinion, is almost as dangerous as radical religion. Like, mm. science is not something you believe. Science is a method. That's like saying, you know, I believe in meters. It's like, that's not, you don't believe in meters. Meters are a way to measure distance. Science isn't something you believe in. Science is a method for you to try and understand the world. Anyway, sorry, just... One of my own little rants, because I I hate... <laughs> one of my most hated modern phrases is, believe the science. It's like, no. If you just believe the science, you are a bad scientist. Stop. It's one of the reasons I specifically hate it when people call me a scientist. I'm an engineer. It means I actually do work. Wow. <laughs> Alex told all those scientists something. <laughs> Sorry, I think that was a little bit too far. Any, <laughs> anyway, 
<coughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, I have a, a bit of a cough. Allergies. Mm. Um, so anyway, he... There's scientists out there right now are like, yes, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> I've been infected. Um, so he, he goes and he meets with a few more, uh, like, he gets past a few key books. Um, like, and, like, uh, they, they, you know, splooge about Darwin and how he's, like, the key to everything and which is... Again, it dates the book because the big debate in the U.S. at least at the time was the whole. For some reason, Darwinian evolution was still something that was was being um, questioned, questioned and debated. And it's one of those theories that, like, like any other scientific theory, it's the best estimate we have now until we get more evidence. That's that's one of the reasons that believing science is a bad idea because there's always the chance that. New evidence also, it's, comes it's to kind light. Kind of one of one of religion's greatest historical enemies, as it were. Um, yeah. And again, this is one of those weird things where it really is a historical enemy only when you're talking about um, the like the evangelicals, because uh, specifically, and this this is the monastic tradition, specifically the Protestant monastic tradition in Europe and in, in the UK in particular, like most scientific developments that came out of the Middle Ages, they came out of monasteries. They came out of monks. Um, it, it's, it's a very peculiar thing. Almost every religion in the world went down a route in the Middle Ages of assuming that because God can change everything, there's no point in studying things because God could just change it. Except for Protestant Christianity. They went down the route of well, God created everything, so if we study everything and learn about it, then we'll become closer to God. And yep. that was one of the reasons that science flourished in Europe, where it actually kind of fell off in a lot of the rest of the world. Um, and because we kept having wars. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean, too. I mean, <laughs> come on. You need to learn how to design a better ballista. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's just a little historical anecdote. Um, yeah, so he, he starts getting more and more books, and he gets more and more involved in the movement. He's like, I, I want more of a revolution. I want, I want to, like, get more people involved. You guys are moving too slow. He, you know, he's, he's very, very passionate about this, because it's established throughout the book that Trafford is a bit of a rebel. He's somebody who wants to, you know, he wants to act out. He wants privacy. And early on, they, they talk about how, like, privacy is what, you know, why do you want to be private? Are you a pervert? Like, are you doing things you don't want people to know about behind closed doors? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's that old, like, someone asks you something really private, and you're like, I'm not going to tell you about that. And then they immediately come back with, oh, so you didn't say no, so you must be doing it, so you are like, guilty. Oh, you have something to hide? Yeah. Yeah. Which, it's a very human emotion to just want privacy. Um, anyway, so that goes on. He's starting to get involved with this. And here's where one of the big hooks hit. First of all, uh, the, the rift between him and his wife gets worse and worse. And eventually they go for a divorce. And one of the reasons that it's established in this society that... It's one of the many contradictions that Trafford points to is the fact that marriage is celebrated. Every marriage is treated like it's going to be eternal and the only one. But there's a social expectation that the man will only stay for a short amount of time. Then they divorce and he moves on, but the child stays with the woman. 
Um, which, again, horrible setup for all involved, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so they, they go for divorce. But to, to get a divorce, what they do is they go to the, the, the community confession, which Confessor Bailey, he's up on the stage, and they have trials and stuff like that, but then they have a divorce, and they're expected to bear it all out, why they're not having... You know uh, why their marriage isn't successful, why they need a divorce, and then they sign off on it. The community endorses it, and so on and so on. Yeah. The trial, which I, I know I can see the look on your face. That what is it? The um, one of my favorite, because th- they they have other things going on. One of the things that goes up before them, yeah, is this woman who is mad because her husband slept with her sister and her mother <laughs> and she caught them and the husband's defense is well you weren't giving me what i needed and then yeah, the, so is the wife me... and mother yeah sorry did uh, you have something to say about it well yeah first of all the accents are just brilliant the the he really gets the essence of chavy kind of just a chav just oh you want certainly me out accent. Um, and yeah, and it's like the, the, it's very Jerry Springer. Yes. Um, like the, the, the guy in defense is like, yeah, she's frigid. She won't let me do butt stuff. And the crowd's like, oh, how dare she? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, one of my favorite things is a line from the sister. Cause she's like, you know, he was going to leave us and and stuff like that because, you know, she wasn't giving him what he needed. So I did it to keep the family together. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a, such a fucked up excuse, but and it was accepted. And so, like, the resolution was, you know, um, wife and husband, they bang right there on the stage. <laughs> right in court, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, see, we're going to... I think she actually just, like... You know, rips off her broad. It's like, all right, here we go. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. save this marriage right now. And anyway, so th- but that's what it is. <laughs> it's base it, Jerry. It's very Jerry Springer. It's very um like you know, uh, not. I wish they'd done some kind of DNA test joke. <laughs> that would have been so good. That would have been funny too. Uh, anyway, so Trafford and his wife go up there, and um, they give the the reason for them breaking up is, uh, and it's all very very silly. Like again, with the childish language, it's like, you know, she he doesn't sort me out. Um, you know, I I don't I don't feel like the real me or something like that. I can't remember the reasons after the previous court case. I was just, I mean, no, no, that, that the one with the the, the <laughs> mom. Is, that, that was just so perfect. I I, lo- I was I I actually laughed out loud because I I remember what I was doing at the time. I was cooking dinner while I was listening to this, and I heard that, and I I just busted out laughing listening to it. Um. Anyway, yeah. So they go up there, and here's where the the, the twist happens. Hmm. It turns out that uh, one of the reasons, you know, that they, the the audience isn't quite satisfied. They think that these people are boring, and the the confessor presses them on like, oh, what's the real reason? And that's when his wife Shantoria pulls out the oh, I catch him like perving on one girl online. You know, yeah, Sandra. Not a whole D. bunch of girls, which yeah. is all right. Yeah, but one girl is weird. One girl in particular. Yeah, and. Uh, and then he sees that she's in the audience, 
the Sandra D, the girl, and she is furious staring yeah. at him um, because he's like, oh, God, she is putting in all this effort to be private and to not be noticed. And I've just shined a spotlight on her. Yeah. So that's that. Their divorce, however, gets put on. hold. It all goes through and it's going to happen, um, but it gets put on hold because an epidemic moves through their community building. Uh, they they call it, and again, the childish names for like the diseases. It's like it's not measles. It's measles plus. It's you know whatever yeah. cholera mumps. plus or something like that. It's measles and mumps, and then later is that. Yeah, and later is cholera. So the first two go through, and the Trafford and his wife become very popular now because their child had been, you know, inoculated against. One. Yeah, it's the only child that survives both plagues. Because yeah. they had been inoculated against both. Which, he only gave her the one shot, which confused me. Like, how did that work? Like, did he have... He did He did say it was... It, it was a measles and mumps vaccine or something. Okay. Like, it did more than one thing. Personally, I'm not a vac... Uh, I don't know much about vaccines, but I'm assuming they could do two in one, maybe? It, it depends on what how they're actually made. Because there's... Working in the pharmaceutical industry, there's a ton of red tape you have to go through with any minor change you make to something. So if it makes sense for something that's been around as long as those vaccines for them to have maybe made a hybrid one. I don't I don't know for certain it. Mm. But it did. I, I didn't realize it was a shot for both of them. I thought he just gave her the one. So I'm like, how did she survive both diseases? Anyway, doesn't matter. She lives and now she's the miracle child. She's the angel come down from heaven. She's and her his suddenly his his wife is has had a religious revival because oh like her baby is the one that lived. She's the miracle child who lived for all the other babies that died, which they continue to call kiddos, which still. Yep. Anyway, well, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. No, nothing. Um, yeah, no. So she's seen as kind of the 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 real, well, not the real, I suppose, but the the human incarnation of Mary, kind of thing. Yeah, who they call Diana, Diana and yes. the love. Um. Anyway, yeah. So they enjoy some fame. They're locked down in the building for like thirty days. Um, while they wait for the the plague to kind of make its way through, and again, it kills every other kid under the age of two in the building. Yep. Um, and you know, his wife Shantoria becomes more and more obsessed with this, and Trafford uses this newfound social clout to basically go unnoticed because he's reading all these books, but he's reading them in like book sleeves for like crappy self help books. And yeah. so he's he's like, oh yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to be self improved now and be a better person and whatnot. Books like How to Get Money and Be Famous. Yeah, I think oh, that we could talk about the. I think we might have slightly gone past, but it doesn't really matter. The uh, first concert. Oh, that's right. Yeah, him and his wife go to a concert, and they're they're all supposed to be the next and biggest and best concert ever. And you get lottery tickets to go to concerts in this yeah. world. And it's basically like, think like a concert mixed with like a religious revival. So the... Um, Just the, a religious concert, really. The bishop, whose name is... Uh, oh, it, it's like something like, you know, Solomon Kentucky. That's his yes. name. Solomon Kentucky is his name, yeah. which is a fucking awesome name for a preacher. Listen, was... Um... <clears throat> no, no, ignore me. 
I keep thinking of Colonel Sanders because Sanders, Solomon, and Kentucky. But he. He's the one who is just like he also the, the, brings out the preacher voice. He's like, "Let yeah. me hear you say love. Uh, let me hear you say everlasting love." You're very good at that accent. Uh, let me hear you say have love. <laughs> I, yeah. I just it's so it's such a good voice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So they they have their you know night out at this whole religious revival they, they have some funny things like their their social obligations again like the, the the woman is expected to get on the shoulders of the guy but not all the guys are strong enough to because their diet of sugar and their morbidly obese friends are not necessarily able to get on the shoulders so people have yeah. ladders yeah where the woman sits on the ladder and the guy stands under the ladder <laughs> I, <just found> that <coughs> I found that hilarious yeah uh, and then there's the one preacher guy that came in. Which, um... There's one guy who came in and said, you know, you're all stupid and... Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a guy who's who comes in who's basically, like, an actual Christian. Who's like, all of this is corrupt. All of you people are stupid. This isn't the, the way of, you know... Th this isn't the right way. You need to do this and do that. And, uh, he nearly gets beaten to death by the audience. Um, who are all whipped up into a fury. Mm. Oh, uh, and they're all declared to be famous. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. We, I didn't talk about this. Wembley Laws, they Wembley call them. Laws. And so, basically, the only way a new law happens is they have one of these re you know, religious concerts with a bunch of people there. They whip them up into a fervor, and then they ask them a question or something like that. And then they can create a new law if everyone just goes, yeah! And so the new yeah. law is that everyone is famous. Yay. Yep. And this is actually where you get the uh, the donut scene that you were talking about. Uh, the next day when they're they're celebrating uh, yeah. becoming all famous, and that's when the confrontation over the donut thing happens. Um, and this is where Tra Trafford uses his new social clout to kind of defend Sandra D uh, from Princess Lovebud. And uh, this is where he starts to actually try to get in contact with Sandra D. Yeah. Um, like she's still pissed at him for calling attention to her during the whole rally thing. Um, but after some concerted effort, he does, uh, pique her interest. Um, I can't She takes remember. him out. Yeah, she takes him out because she owns a boat. Yeah. And so they go out, like, and just, they, they, she, she has a little boat, they go out and he's, he's just flabbergasted by the idea that, oh, they're alone. I haven't been this far away from people in yeah. ever. Boats are incredibly expensive as well, as they are in real life. Yeah. And um, it's established that it's not like a huge boat either. It's basically big enough for like a few people and that's it. Yeah. Um, but it's still like the cost of a house kind of thing. Yeah. And they have a little bit of a kinky moment where... Uh, I thought this part was really interesting. I, I, I really enjoyed this this part, actually. Yeah. I, I thought this was very well done. Because it's so different. I think the reason this, this scene is so effective is the rest of the book has been so, like, crass and overly mm. sexualized and kind of a bit gross. You get to this point, and they're, they're calm, they're alone, they're out on the water, and they have a very intimate moment is sexual but not 
physical. Yeah, no physicality. So basically, uh, yeah, they have a little bit of a mild flirtatious moment, and she asks. And Trafford basically says that you know he's he's had fantasies about her, and um, she gets him to describe one to her, and he basically talks her through like his fantasy. And they again, they're not touching, they're not doing anything. They're both yeah. fully dressed. Um, and I and, think that's why, because obviously I've read this book first, mm. and then I read 1984, yeah. Yeah. When it got to the sex scene in that, I was very disappointed, because it wasn't nearly as good as this, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it is very well, very well described. Like, the, this, this mm. author has a talent, I think, for strong visualization in terms of his yeah. writing, both for the disgusting things and... 